0: Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point we were both brand new freelancers barely making ends meet. But by now we've started, grown and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelance to to apply for your own on air coaching call. And now get ready to take some notes because an all new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, it's Clay's birthday, so he has the day off. But I have a great conversation with Yash, who built an agency from two people to over 55 employees in just a few years. And now, Yash is building a tool called ClientJoy, helping thousands of freelancers and agency builders take control of their client management and processes. Today, Yash outlines in exact detail one way you can build a high-converting lead generation machine to ensure you always have clients coming your way. You won't want to miss this conversation. It all begins after this quick break. and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm Preston Lee from Millo.co and uh, not joining me today is uh, my friend Clay who's usually on the air with us today. It's actually Clay's birthday today. So he's taking the day off but I am very excited to be joined uh, by my friend Yash who's going to chat with us a little bit about lead generation for freelancers Yash, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Preston, for, for having me.
0: Absolutely. Let's, let's start off, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and, and maybe why they should stick around for the next 30 minutes or so as you and I talk about how to generate leads.
1: Sure, absolutely. So uh, so hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in on this conversation. My name is Yash. I'm co-founder and chief executive of a uh, a product called ClientJoy. At ClientJoy, we help over 4,000 agencies and 9,000 freelancers manage their clients and grow their business from 90 plus countries. And uh, we've been doing this this for about, we've been running this product for about a year and a half now. And before we started building ClientJoy, we ourselves used to be an agency. And so we started from a two people operation that were offering um, static website designs and then grew ourselves from, from that two people operation to a... <clears throat> To a 55 people operation over the over about four four and a half years, and, and grew from uh, offering just website design to building SaaS and mobile applications in SaaS fintech and e-commerce. And so it was during that that uh, that journey of of scaling the agency that we realized that client management was a constant and consistent challenge. And since we understood some of the problems that early stage agencies or or freelancers who are looking to scale face. Um, and we had already built SaaS products for our clients before. We said, "Why don't we kind of mix uh, both of them, merge both of them, and build a SaaS product that helps uh, agencies and freelancers serve their clients better?"
0: Mm, I love that. It's it's the perfect story. You you have faced a problem as you were scaling your own agency, and and now yeah. you solve that problem for for lots of other freelancers and agencies. I've heard great things about uh, Client Joy. And uh, we'll be sure to link to Client Joy in the show notes as well, uh, so that uh, listeners can check it out for themselves. If if you're having trouble sort of managing your client workflow, uh, keeping track of who you've talked to about what, uh, and just really managing all the important details of clients and projects, you should definitely take a look at Client Joy. Uh, and I'm sure throughout our conversation today, Yash will also give much better reasons <laughs> for <laughs> using uh, for using client joy, particularly as a freelancer who's trying to scale their business. For sure. um, Yash, let's let's start off a little bit about uh, start off. I guess what we, what we want to talk about today. What I'm trying to say is uh, how to generate leads as a freelancer, and I think that's. Mm-hmm. A critical stage before you can fill up a CRM like Client Joy mm-hmm. with uh client details, you have to really mm-hmm. have a good system in place to actually find those new clients. And so mm-hmm. I guess where do you where do you suggest freelancers start when it comes to lead generation?
1: Um so primarily if if you're a if you're a freelancer and, and trying to kind of scale your your operations and, and convert yourself from freelance to founder and looking for more clients. There are primarily only two things that you are supposed to do. Right? So the first thing is is widen the top of the funnel um, or top of the sales funnel that you have. So the typical sales funnel of of any agency looks like you know awareness, interest, desire, and action. And so so that's that's the AIDA sort of a uh, market standard sales sales funnel that any freelancer um, mm-hmm. has to have or any agency has to have. And so, so the first thing that they need to do is is primarily widen the sales funnel, right at the top of the sales funnel, and then the second thing that they're required to do is is reduce the the leakages um from of people moving from one part of the st- sales funnel to the second part of the sales funnel. Mm. Right? So, so you'll always leak people when they are trying to move from when you're trying to move them from awareness to interest and from interest to desire and then from desire to action. And so, so so if you Plan all of the activities that you do um and and kind of categorize them across both of these uh across both of these these activities or categories uh either widen top of the funnel or um, reduce the leakages <coughs> between the stages then that essentially will offer a lot more clarity to you on what are the sort of activities that you should you should focus on right then there are examples of things that you could do so so we are not going to talk about um you know run of the mill stuff like right? like cold calling or having social media profiles or running digital ads or or getting referrals or writing content or or sending out emails or or attending events and stuff like that so these are these are standard stuff that that you know whatever depending on the on the kind of service that you are offering whichever kind of works for you you can always try that and there are there are industry standard practices that you'll be able to very easily um find online right and so what we are What we are going to talk about um, is is primarily identifying channels that offer disproportionate growth um, or disproportionate lead generation, um, positioning yourself or or becoming or essentially enabling thought leadership um, and then offering a small set of free services. And and the last aspect primarily would be um, essentially around not uh, positioning yourself as uh, as offering the solutions or services that you offer, but positioning yourself as as a freelancer who's there to solve their problem. So these are these are some of the other uh, aspects that that we'd want to talk about today. But that's that's primarily how to to look at a sales funnel for a for a freelancer.
0: I love the way you've put that. Uh, you know, we've I've personally uh, written a small guide as well as lots of articles around the internet about this idea of essentially it's it's the same same concept. When you're trying to get more clients, you can do one of two things: you can increase your outreach, or you can increase your conversion rate. And mm-hmm. and so that's exactly what you're saying. The top of the funnel is your yeah. outreach. It's how you know how yeah. much attention, how how many potential clients can you reach, and then your conversion mm-hmm. rate is exactly what you said: um, stopping the leakage in your funnel yeah. so that more more people who enter your funnel at the top ultimately mm-hmm. convert. You have a higher conversion rate through the yeah. through the end of the funnel, and so. Uh, I, I love I love how you put that. I think that's the exact right way to focus on it i guess where where then do freelancers start if they now sort of get the philosophy they understand what we're saying about these two mm-hmm. critical pieces to lead generation, where do they get
1: started sure um so the first thing that that a freelancer should do is is identify whether uh whether they are at a at a position where they can um they can position themselves as thought leaders or they are fairly young in their freelance journey and and thought leadership might not be believable um, from any potential client standpoint and so um and so we have a solution for that so let's say if, if you are a content writer with uh, with 10 plus years of experience having worked on on a lot of different kind of projects uh for a lot of different kind of clients you can actually start positioning yourself as as thought leader um on social media and and start Attracting inbound interest from your potential clients, but if you're not that, then what I would recommend is that then enable thought leadership, right? So instead of positioning yourself as a thought leader, so let's say if you you've just been kind of trying to do it for about six eight months, you're fairly new, then um, create a community of of content writers where people share interesting ideas, or create a community of people um, who who are looking for content, and and then um, enable them to ask their questions, and um, and you can share your answers, or, or you can ask other uh, content creators and, and people who are thought leaders to kind of share their answers, and so on and so forth. So, um, so that kind of that aspect of it essentially refers to um, instead of you being the expert, you enable the expertise being shared, um, mm. and and by uh, and and just by the virtue of uh that expertise being shared or that value being generated, you are always, always mentioned in any conversation that happens. So um and, and so then more and more people uh, start reaching out to you and then as and when you generate or you get more experience, you kind of try and and lead that conversation as well over a period of time. And so Okay, so, uh, so are we talking are we of, talking like
0: yeah. a, a like a Facebook group or something where maybe maybe it's like um you know Web developers, Facebook group mm-hmm. of some kind, yeah. you know maybe web developer problem solving or web developer Q and A or something but then but then, I guess, should you make the group around your potential client, or who who should you target in these kinds of groups?
1: well you should you should always uh, target your clients, right? so so building a community. Um, not of other content writers, but building a community where uh, where people talk about their content writing requirements and content writing questions that they may have. Right. So, um, so so as an example, when when we were running our IT service company, the uh, the community that we used to run was around how to build a SaaS application. So. Um, And so that community, so people who were looking to build their SaaS application would join that community and they would ask each other questions. And then we would be one of those people who would answer. And then we had also added some other folks from the SaaS community to also join in and answer those questions. Um, And so it has to be targeted towards the questions that your clients have, right? And and it cannot be a community of content writers because then, then you're just, Essentially, group of people who are looking for work. All of you guys are looking for work. So right. it has to be targeted towards the questions and pain points that your clients have and, and not the uh, solution offering that you have. Okay.
0: And how, how long do you, have you found that it usually takes uh, for someone who maybe doesn't have that foundational thought leadership for them to build mm-hmm. a group like this from scratch?
1: So it typically, um, um, it, it typically ranges depending on the service that they're offering, but for it to start yielding any meaningful um, returns, um, it would, and, and so again, just before I give you the timeline, I, I should also mention um, that that you you should not just expect your community in and of itself to exist in a silo and then that to start giving you any ROI on, on this. Um, when when we are talking about communities, it also means that you join other communities as well. You become part of other Facebook and Telegram and Slack community as well. And you start engaging with people over there as well. And so, so those admins and those mods also kind of know um, that that you exist and that helps in building trust and that helps in transferring some number of people um, who are in those communities to kind of become part of your community as well. And so, uh, so if you're doing both of these things, uh, then for any meaningful, we've seen first uh, client inquiry uh, uh, starting to come in anywhere between forty-five days to sixty days, and um, and then mm. first conversion happening anywhere between four to five.
0: Okay, so it's so it's a medium medium term. I wouldn't say short term or long term. It's sort of mid range yeah. in terms of how yeah. long it's going to take. There, it is going to take a little while to build up a, a reputation, and that makes sense. Um, if you're building trust, it's not something you can do overnight. I I mm-hmm. love what you said about uh, potentially going into other groups, and yes, building mm-hmm. your own group. But that takes such a long time to build a meaningful group. Um, so while you're doing that, go into other groups and other communities and offer real value there. Uh, Mm -hmm. where someone's already done the hard work of building up the foundational first 500,000, 2,000, 5,000 members, uh, and then Mm -hmm. you can go in and and simply add value as often as you can. I I see this a lot on LinkedIn as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Not necessarily in specific communities, but just searching... Searching like questions that you have answers to uh, using yeah. hashtags or or other advanced search filters on on LinkedIn, you can just go in and answer people's questions. And then after a while, people start to recognize you, especially if you've set up your LinkedIn profile correctly, uh, linking to your portfolio or linking to you know your landing page or whatever it might be. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that that can be a, a great way to draw some attention as well. Okay, so let's say let's say in one way or another, I've got some thought leadership going. Uh, I've I've shown that I. Uh, you know, can add value in my space. What comes next?
1: So, uh, if I could just just uh, take a take a step back uh, yes, before please. before going forward, is is also a lot of times what might happen is that is that you might be a freelancer who operates in a particular niche, right? So, let's say you might not be just a content writer, but you are a content writer for uh, e-commerce companies where you write write content for products, right, and and something like that. So, so if if, if you are into a niche. And there's a very you cannot start a community that's, that's focused on, a, on, on on that super targeted niche right so you, you'll have to start a community at a level where, where you can where you realistically think you'll be able to achieve some amount of uh, traction as well. And so if you do that, what might end up happening is that you might start getting a lot of queries that are irrelevant to the services that you're offering as well mm, um, mm-hmm. and that's not really a bad thing. so, so what uh, what we used to do was was uh, when we started the SaaS community, we we did not at that time offer mobile application development as an example, but we were getting a lot of queries uh, from companies who had SaaS products already built and they were looking to build mobile apps. And so, so what we started doing was we started building essentially a sort of a partnership. So we had three or four vendors on roster. Um, and so when we got a query, we'd essentially uh go back to them and say, "Hey, you know the specific service that you're looking for is not something that we uh, specialize in at this point of time. however, here are three partners that we work with and feel free to evaluate um and so that kind of also helps you get into get into partnerships which which then uh, also ties into what I want to talk about next, which is which is how to move move forward right and so so the next step would be um would be Identifying channels that that offer disproportionate growth, right? So, um, so, so, so that's that's kind of where uh, partnerships with uh, with with companies or or free la- other freelancers who cater to the same target market as yours but are not competing with you kind of kind of comes into play. Right. So, um, as an example, uh, as as I shared, when we were offering SaaS development. Um, we would partner. We would very often partner with uh, other IT service companies that were doing that were doing fintech, or that were doing e-commerce, that were doing mobile application, that were doing um, dedicated resources on demand. And so, what that would mean is that when they got requirements for SaaS, they would pass those to us, and that is essentially a zero um, cost of customer acquisition for us. And and we'd we'd end up doing the same for them as well. And so, identifying those sort of channels where um, the amount of Im- the amount of input um, that you have to put is is much lesser, and-, and and generates a disproportionately higher amount of impact or output for you. Uh, those are those are the sort of channels that that help, and and partnering up with uh, with free- other freelancers who are offering s- who are offering different services to the same target market. That that would be the the logical next step uh, for you to kind of start acquiring more customers or generating leads as well.
0: I love that. We've talked about that on the show quite a bit and building partnerships with, with other people who, who already have connections to your target audience or mm-hmm. who on a regular basis are being contacted by your target audience. It's such a great way to pass mm-hmm. business back and forth. Uh, and mm-hmm. as you sort of spread that good karma and goodwill, that, gets, that obviously comes back to you as well um, yeah. from, those, from those others that you partner
1: with. Yeah, absolutely. It does.
0: Well, good. Okay, so, if, so, so I've, built, I've built maybe a small network of freelancers that I work with or, or other partners, companies that I work with that I get referrals from. It's disproportionately higher in terms of conversion rates. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've built up some thought leadership or maybe I used my thought mm-hmm. leadership to then build up that secondary network. What
1: comes after that? Mm-hmm. Um, so then, then the next aspect comes, which is, uh, which is primarily... Uh, identifying what could be the hook for the service that you're offering
0: have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone sometimes you need a full-fledged team other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at whatever your reason for hiring we recommend you take a look at linkedin jobs You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code freelance to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code freelance to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code freelance, or just click the link in our show description.
1: Um, and okay. so, so hook is is primarily a, a very small service that you can afford to do it for free. Um, but but the client will see a lot of value. And so uh, a lot of times, um, a hook, let's say if if you are um if you're an SEO freelancer, a hook could be a free SEO audit. so, uh, so that's that's not as difficult for you to do. Yeah, uh, it probably takes you. Anywhere between uh, five minutes to to fifteen minutes uh, to generate an SEO audit and then offer some amount of insights on top of it, uh, but but it has a lot of value for the for a for a potential client as well. And so so what we do is is we kind of bundle that in with the partner. And so when a when a partner would uh, when when our partner was already working with a potential client, um, our hook would go in as a free upsell. And so that would act as a as a point where where mm-hmm. I essentially had uh, the opportunity to speak to my partner's client, um, and then and then understand what their requirements are, and then kind of bring them over to uh, to, to our fold as well. And so so okay. identifying what what that hook is um, for your uh, for the service that that you're offering, and then kind of trying to offer that for free. So so a lot of freelancers who would would offer you know one hour free consulting. Um, or they'd offer, as I as I shared, SEO audit, or or what we used to do was was infrastructure audit. So we audited, um, you know, their their AWS or Google Cloud or or Microsoft Azure setup for them, um, and and so on and so forth. Right. So these are these are things that take up a lot less time, uh, but then they essentially offer an opportunity to you to speak to someone else's client for half an hour or or mm-hmm. an hour. And and that's when you can you can essentially start building a relationship because there's in you in any other way you have to put in a lot more effort to get a potential client who is already qualified to get on a call mm-hmm. with you and spend thirty minutes or an hour. And this is just much more effective.
0: Yeah, I love that. I would add. Um, the importance of of offering something that is of value on its own. you know sometimes sometimes we'll offer like a site audit or an SEO audit or something, and then we really yeah. just come back with more problems than we do solutions. Uh, yeah. because you know the thinking is, well, if I can bring back an audit and all these things have to be fixed, then of course they're going to hire me to fix the problems. And yes, that's partially true. But you're really not adding that much value if all you do is you come back with a list of potential problems that need solved. And so yeah. regardless of what your hook is or what your lead lead magnet is or, or what your, your free offering is, whatever you want to call it, um, it needs to add value on its own. If this If this customer yeah. never converts or doesn't convert in the moment, they need to have felt like they received value from you. And that's helpful because in the future, they may decide to hire you. But if yeah. they remember you as just the person who presented a bunch of problems... Uh, instead of really providing value to their business, they're not going to hire you. Whereas if they remember you as someone who cared about them and cared about their business and drove value to their business, then mm-hmm. they're much more likely to hire you. I would also add, um, you know, lots of freelancers are scared about giving things away for free, doing free work, or um, spending time on free things. This is mm-hmm. simply a marketing tactic. You're not, you're not giving yeah. away your full services for free right um, yeah. you're not your your core offering you're not doing for free this is a marketing yeah. offering and so you know this this happens all the time think about think about even all the time you spend on social media or email marketing or whatever your preferred marketing format is cold calling or cold emailing whatever it is all of that you're doing for free uh, yeah. in hopes that a certain percentage of those people convert into clients and so just consider this free work or this or this free product or whatever you're giving as your hook uh this is again just marketing effort this isn't like you're giving away free work
1: yeah and and just to also add on on top of it is is that uh, um it's it's not possible uh, always in all cases uh, but if if the value that you offered or the hook that you've that you prepared or the free service that that you're offering, um, in 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 addition to adding um, essentially value on its own to the client, if that is also shareable, um, then then that again kind of is is disproportionate up return, right? So so if um, mm. so 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 let me give you an example. So so let's say something like in like a, like an audit of infrastructure or anything like that. It's it's not primarily uh, shareable, but uh, but let's say a, a report um, on on um, on on the state of of that particular industry, or uh, that that your client or potential clients kind of care about, uh, something to that effect. If if you're able to kind of offer that, uh, then that is also shareable, right? So so uh, apart from you kind of sharing that with, with your potential client, they would also, if the, if the value is there, then they'll also end up sharing it with other people. Um, And we receive, uh, uh, now that I've moved um, as an organization, we've moved from offering services to actually, uh, I mean, being vendors. uh, We used to be vendors before, and now that we've moved on to becoming customers or clients of agencies, um, I I receive almost two or three uh, such, essentially, hooks uh, every week from people in our network. They, They send out saying, hey, you know, this guy's doing... Um, some amazing work here is uh, something that you should check it out, right? So, um, mm. And that's how I come across most freelancers in, in my life now. So, um, so that's also something that you, that you guys might want to consider.
0: Great. And so once you've sort of hooked a new potential client, again, trying to plug as many of, of those holes in, in the funnel as possible... Mm-hmm. let's say you've now captured someone what what do you do once once you've sent them maybe that hook and you've been in contact you've maybe had that 30 or sixty minute phone call with them then what do you do how do you how do you ensure that they continue moving down the funnel
1: so uh so what what we used to uh, we used to do and and so what i'm about to say is is essentially is, is arguable so i've seen a lot of freelancers um, who would uh, who would would say you know we should not irritate a potential client by following up with them um mm. i don't believe in that thought process i believe that if we've initiated a relationship that should end in either a yes or a no it cannot be uh, it cannot stay in limbo and so so fortune lies in lies in follow up right and so most deals um, will close between 7th and 13th follow up uh, i see a lot of freelancer who after that that hook would uh, would would kind of drop an email a couple of times and then then sort of move on. Um, mm-hmm. And what I strongly recommend is that uh, prepare a follow-up plan before you do any of these, right? So, so uh, assume that your potential lead or potential client is not going to respond. Um, what are the steps that you're going to do? How many emails, SMSs, WhatsApp messages, LinkedIn messages mm-hmm. are you going mm-hmm. to do? And then at what time? what's going to be the content of those messages assuming that there are no responses and and then create at least anywhere between um, again these numbers could vary or from market to market but but if i were you i would do anywhere between 14 to 18 instances within the uh, next uh, 30 to, to 40 days um, of conversation between uh, between the potential leader, potential client and i and so um so so because because it it takes a lot of effort to to position yourself as thought leader or to enable thought leadership and then to identify partners and then um, you know work with them and try to achieve disproportionate growth, try to have a much wider funnel and then offer hooks and and free services and then and then if you if you lose out on an opportunity just because you um, don't follow up, that's the easiest bit right that's the stuff that you can automate um uh, and and will take up the least amount of effort so so that that would be that would be my next step for sure.
0: And, and I assume, you know, all the, all the while we're using like a, a sort of CRM tool of some kind, like ClientJoy, where we're keeping track of this is the phase there and this is how many times I've followed up. Um, maybe mm-hmm. we're automating some of the follow-up follow uh, through a product yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so use, a, use a CRM tool um, that, that essentially offers, uh, I mean, ClientJoy does that as well, but, uh, but, but you know evaluate as many CRM tools as as you can and figure out which one is right for you. Um, The CRM that integrates with with LinkedIn and that has email and WhatsApp and SMS integrations as well. Um, And so where you'd be able to essentially create a sequence or map out a path uh, where where you say, you know, if if I don't receive a response um, on on the first day, this is the mail that goes out. Um, If three days later, there's still no response and this is the message that goes out to them on LinkedIn um if two days later this is the message that goes out to them on whatsapp um, um and and then three more days later you know this is the email that goes out to them again and try to have as much uh, sort of character in your in your content as possible try to be a little funny a little quirky um try to be a human please don't don't be a corporate so uh, <laughs> don't uh, send out an email saying dear sir slash ma'am um, and and stuff like that. I mean, uh, it's it, it's very silly advice, but but you know, more than half mm-hmm. of the emails that I receive even now mm-hmm. from agencies or freelancers would have that as a salutation. So, um, but yeah, so so use a CRM, automate all of this, and you can always figure out right. So you can say that all of these uh, outreach or touch points should go only on weekdays or only on these certain days. They should not go out on. On holidays and they should go out between let's say 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. or stuff like that, right? So so be able to set all of these things. So identify a CRM that'll help you do that. Client could also help you do that. Um but but yeah, so that 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 would be my next step.
0: That's perfect. And and when you start getting responses, then do you immediately onboard a client? Uh, you know, once I guess how how do you how do you really seal the deal here? Um to, so, kind of, um, to kind of bring this uh, lead generation process to a close.
1: Oh, yeah. So, so we're we are a little far uh, from closing as of now. So, so the next step would be, so once you start receiving some sort of responses, the next step should be to qualify that client, right? So, um, and, and it's a very simple framework to qualify a client. Uh, if you had the opportunity to qualify them um, beforehand, then great um but but there's a very simple framework which is called a bant framework which is b a n t so it stands for budget authority need and time um so does this person have the right budget is this the right person or right authority that i'm talking to um, do they have the needs the services that i'm offering and is this the right time to be talking to? right and so so evaluate them across these four parameters and then qualify them um, in term and and the outcome of qualification um so so uh, here's here's how you know that you successfully qualified or disqualified right so so after the qualification call um you should know that if everything works out then this is the time duration after which the project would start which is what we call as lead time so you should know that this project going to start in 2 weeks um, they have a budget anywhere between let's say fifteen hundred dollars to two thousand um, dollars. and this is the person who's who's actually going to be my single point of contact or SPOC or, or the person who I'm going to be uh, dealing with uh, almost all the time. and And these are fairly vague. so they are not scope of uh, uh, requirement document level clear but but fairly vague requirements you already have gathered. right. So So when you have answers to these questions, um, that's when that's when you qualified them, and once you've qualified, you prepare a proposal um, and and then send it out to them. Moving on to the to the closure aspect of it. So, primarily, uh, the, the 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 precursor to to closure is is always negotiation, and it's important to remember that whenever a client is going to um, close that particular deal or or uh, close that. Uh, requirement that they have, they are not just talking to you. Right? They are talking to at least three or four other vendors um, who are offering similar services, and they are trying to identify where they'll get the most amount of value. And so, so when you're trying to close, um, and you realize that that this is this is uh, fairly near, then uh, then your frequency of of follow up, or the kind of uh, the kind of pointy questions that you should ask, or the amount of timeline-based pressure that you should put in should should increase. So as an example, what we would do is, um, is we'd say that, hey, you know, if, if Preston you wanted to develop a SaaS application, you came to us, you were talking to three other companies. And then when when I realized that we are in the in late stages of the conversation, I'd send out a proposal and say, hey, you know, if we are able to sign this proposal in the next seven days, I'd throw in an additional 10% discount. Um, and so then what that makes you do is is that it's not necessarily that you'll end up signing the proposal, um, but you'll end up coming back to me with a response within the next seven days. Right? It's definitely a bigger incentive for you now. And so that's so. those are the kind of things that, that you should uh, deploy or, or, or employ uh, when you're trying to close the sale. And so the frequency of conversation and follow-up should increase as and when you are uh, approaching the, the closure of the deal.
0: And I love adding those last-minute incentives to really help them get off the fence and, and make a final decision. Um, because yeah. often, it, you know, with some clients, it can come down to little details and, and things that really don't matter that much. And really, they just need just a little extra push or a little extra incentive to finally close the deal. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And, and so it's important to remember that uh, your client is... So so all of this applies only for first-time clients. Uh, like f- for you, they are going to be sure. your clients for the first time. Um, and so it's important to remember that that... that person does not really trust you up until this point right they've gotten mm. some amount mm-hmm. of value they've heard about you from a couple of different places um but but they will always be on the on the fence before signing the proposal because uh, because because they always think about what if this I mean, human mind is is built that way right they, they they think about failure much more often um than than they think about success and so they mm-hmm. uh, while they are negotiating with you they are essentially trying to uh, trying to figure out what could be the potential points of failure in this in this deal if it if it goes through and uh, why would this not work and so your goal during that time is to is to first to to shorten that time as much as possible so make sure that that potential client does not stay in doubt uh, uh, or stays in doubt for as little time as possible and secondly is, is also to kind of um, do some amount of trust building or credibility building exercises with that uh, client as well, and those could happen subconsciously, like while you're having conversation with that client as well. You could mention previous projects that you've done or or the ROI that you've generated and and uh, for for other clients and, and stuff like that.
0: I love that, and I, and I would actually I would actually say even after they've signed a proposal or even after they made an initial payment, there still may be. A, a, a stretch of time where they don't one hundred percent trust you. They still are waiting mm-hmm. to see some results, waiting to get some value. And so, mm-hmm. like you said, the, the quicker you can deliver value, the quicker you can mm-hmm. do some of those trust exercises. Then, then the quicker they can sort of relax, get into the project, and you can really make some progress on it. Absolutely, Yash. Uh, I think this has been a fantastic conversation today. Unfortunately, we are we are out of time, but I think uh, I think this has been a great roadmap for anyone looking to increase their lead generation. And, and I love you know coming back to what you said to open the show. People who want to widen the top of the funnel and reduce any sort of lack of conversion rate as, as people come down through the funnel. Thank you so much for taking time to walk us through your process today. Uh, one that we know is working, uh, has worked for you in the past and is working for people today. Um, is there anything at the end here that you want to make sure that we cover that we
1: haven't talked about yet? No, I think we we talked about uh, a lot of cool things, and and thank you, Preston, for for having me on the show. Uh, it was it was a pleasure as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it was my pleasure. Why don't you uh, one more time remind listeners where they can find out more about you, about Client Joy, uh, and and a quick pitch for Client Joy as well.
1: Sure, absolutely. So uh, so uh, if you are using four or five different softwares for managing your leads and sending out proposals and managing your projects and um, and sending out invoices and then at the end of it all you're doing manual reconciliation of payments uh, while all of your client communications happen over email and whatsapp uh, client is for you client joy basically brings together everything that you do with your clients in one single place starting from helping you manage your leads, proposals contracts projects ticketing invoicing and payments everything, in one single we are helping uh, four thousand odd agencies and nine thousand odd freelancers in ninety plus countries. You can uh, sign up for a free forever version on Clientjoy.io, and uh, and and thank you for for being such an amazing audience and sticking with us. Hope this has been helpful for you.
0: <laughs> Yes, indeed, and we will. And in, in full disclosure, we are working with Client Joy as an affiliate. So, uh, anytime mm-hmm. you use our link to sign up with Client Joy, we have, of course, as we do with all of our affiliate partners, we've taken a close look at Client Joy and definitely love the work that they're doing for freelancers. But uh, if you do use our link, uh, you can. We we may see a small kickback from that. Uh, so we appreciate you supporting this show and all the work that we're doing at Milo.co. You can click the link in our show description to Client Joy. Uh, but full disclosure there, I wanted to be really open about that relationship. And thank you again, Yash, for joining us on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Preston, for having me. All right, take care. Bye bye. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at MILO. Visit M I L L O. CO to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquim Karud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.